We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's the True Faith Newcastle United podcast. We are recording after Newcastle United have batted Manchester United by two goals to nil at St. James's Park to go third in the Premier League. It feels good. Revenge is good. My life is good. <laughs> Everything's good because Newcastle deservedly beat those bastards today. It was comfortable. It was easy. And we're going to talk about it. I have Charlotte, Adam Cleary and Cy with me in the studio straight after the game to talk about it. We are on Patreon, three to eight pounds a month. Come and get involved. Revel with us in this victory. There'll be a full review tomorrow night of that game, and then we'll build up to West Ham and beyond. Charlotte, what a fucking day. Wow. We're absolutely class, aren't we? That was amazing. It was amazing from start to finish. The atmosphere was amazing. The flags were brilliant. Everyone was up for it. I think the crowd knew that this was a high-stakes game, not just because of what happened in February at Wembley, but because of what this could do for our position in the table, what this means for our season, coming back from international break, making a statement, all of those things. And well, we made a statement. It was absolutely class today. I can't, I, there's so little to fault. It's, it, I'm so excited to do this podcast. So I talk up that atmosphere. What a, what a day at St. James's Park. Yeah, uh, unbelievable. I think uh, everybody rose to the occasion. In the absolute best way, uh, I, I was part of a very, very jubilant, slightly slightly uh, inebriated uh, corner, and I <laughs> very much enjoyed my time. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I thought that was the the home crowd we've been lacking for a few weeks, and that partly because of the opposition. You know, when, when we play teams in the bottom half, you don't get that now uh, life or death scenario mm. that, that in the stands. Whereas Man United, everyone knew what this was, everyone knew what this game was, everyone knew how big it was. And I think that the crowd rose to that occasion. It was it was unbelievable. And I, li- I like the fact that you talked about it as revenge because it was, in a very small part, revenge. But this was more than that. It wasn't just revenge over Man United. This was our absolute signal of intent for the rest of the season. It wasn't just, we owe you one for the cup final where we gave you an easy ride. This was, yeah, we're going to beat you. We're also going to make you think about the fact that we're now the absolute front runners, front runners for Champions League football. So... Lots of stuff to go on today. I'm absolutely buzzing. And I, that, that showed in that St. James's Park crowd for the entirety of that game. Adam, you weren't at the game, but still a fantastic afternoon, mate. Oh, God, like at some point in my life, I'm going to have to get married. And my <laughs> friends and family are going to be like, isn't it the most magical day? Aren't you having the best day of your life? And I'm going to have to look them all in the eyes and be like, yes, it is. But knowing deep down that I'm actually thinking about that Callum Wilson second goal. <laughs> 
Where did you watch it? Tell us about your experience. Well, I'd, we talked about this before we went on. I'm not going to start naming names of pubs, but I went somewhere that's normally fine before the game, and I went somewhere to watch it that's normally fine for watching it, and somewhere after that's just, you know, a decent bar. And all three of them, there was just something different. Like, there was like, I don't know whether it's the fact the sun's back out or there's mm. daylight again, but there was like a, <laughs> almost like an electricity, like a crackling. Like there was an, mm. not an expectation, but an excitement about everything. And it just felt... It felt like what I imagined watching the cup final back here must have felt like if you hadn't been down in London, like just that knowing the importance and getting up for it and not sort of expecting the win, but knowing what it would mean if we got it. And that sort of like release and the relief when it did finally come it was brilliant. Like the actual, the post game, bar was heaving, bar was like dead loud. Uh, Eddie Howe comes on to do his interview with Jamie Redknapp, Gary Neville and all the rest of them. And there is a shushing in the pub. <laughs> I've seen that once yeah. before, genuinely. It was the day I think Rafa kept us up that first season back in the Premier League there was a shushing of the pub. Everyone went silent to listen to what he was saying. And then they cut to the backstage bit where they're in the dressing room and he's talking about everybody not going drink driving in the three days that we got off. <laughs> and everybody was just completely silent for it. And then uh, the Man United place came on, everyone booed. It was like, <laughs> it was brilliant, genuinely. Mend. What, what, what a day though. And one of you touched on it, just the importance of it. The fact that, you know, revenge, I think it was you said, you know, revenge is nice and that, that cup final was a was a real bitter pill for us all. I'm sure for the yeah, players, for the yeah. manager, for everyone. And it's it's it took a little bit of time to mentally get over. We did that with the two wins before the international break, and we have started this crucial last two months of the season with the biggest of statements. It's not just the result; it is the fact that that wasn't a game today. Yes, it took a long time for Newcastle to, to take the lead, but Manchester United, ten men behind the ball most of the game, came for a point, didn't fucking get it, and that's what feels good about it. I think the cup final analogy is really interesting because we had obviously, we'd earned our right to be there. We played really well. We had a couple of big results. We were, I think as winning that game, we were place above them in the league. You know, we were around about them. And obviously we came away feeling second best in, I thought we played not as bad as people in hindsight are saying with the cup final, but we were second best in every department. Like they looked better than we were. And there was sort of that question being asked of like, yeah, we are a bit ahead of schedule, aren't we? We're probably not meant to be where we are right now. We're not at that kind of level. But then, the more you've thought about it, like we're not in the position we're in the league by fluke or by luck or because we've had loads of results that we didn't think we were going to get. Like we've, we're probably, if anything, not as high up as we should be because it's been all those games that we've drawn that we felt like we should have won. That we should have, should have won, sorry. Um, so for today, for, the, for it to be Man United that close to that cup final performance and to play like that, not just to win because you can beat these teams and not play that well, to play like that, to dominate them, like every stat you want to look at, like we were so dominant. We actually, we're not ahead of schedule. This is just where that team is and that's how good they are and that's how scared the quote-unquote bigger clubs are of coming here now. Massively, and it's 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 beautiful because it's another one of those statement performances that's now in the bank. Mm. We knew we could do this today because we did it to Arsenal famously last season. We kind of did it to Man earlier this season, but then we let them back in it and they're a very good team. Like you say, Adam, teams now come here knowing that we're capable of that. And, and Manchester United's performance today, from the very first whistle, not committing men ahead of the ball, counter-attack, long ball football, they're trying to create a channel, but you know, get Rashford in between Shaw and Trippier. There's no space there, lads. Mm. There's no space for It doesn't exist. Those, those <laughs> lads are too, they're too good for that shit, Charlotte. And also, just to add to that, the time-wasting from literally 10 minutes, 10 yeah. minutes Disgusting. into the game. Disgusting. You hate to say that. <laughs> <I> genuinely, that's... <laughs> The, th the thing is, like, you know, I, I I can accept that sometimes we time waste and sometimes we, you know, you, you play every trick in the book. 
but not from 10 minutes in the game, not from, you know, not when, when there's all to play for. There was, there was so much time for both teams to get into that game. Sometimes, you know, people don't turn up until 20 minutes, 30 minutes into a game. After 10 minutes, De Gea is like taking his time, you know, everybody. And I was in the Leeds' East Corner today, so right next to him for that first half. And everybody's like, are you kidding us, ref? Like, look at him. He's just wasting time. And I think that really... I'm not complaining about the time wasting, really. What I'm saying is, for me, that's indicative of a team that didn't come to win today. So early on in the game. There's two things I want to talk about in terms of the overall uh, occasion. Uh, Adam and I were talking just before we started recording about about the, the stats of the game. And like I said, yeah, Newcastle were pretty dominant. You know, we had more shots, more corners, etc. Et Man, Man United had more possession. They had more of the ball. Really? No, no yeah. one saw that. Like, fractionally, yeah, but like, that's, 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 that's kind of how we play. That's amazing. But, but normally you'd be able to like acknowledge that and think, actually, yeah, we were more productive with the ball. It just felt like they did have a lot of the ball, but they did fuck all. Like, and the other thing is, we we, we watched the Sky highlights back the chair, that, like three minutes twenty or whatever of that game. They, yeah. they showed us highlights. Not one shot from my net. Not, mm. Nothing from my net. So that that if anything tells you that we were the absolute dominant force in that game, they had a little bit more of the ball. It was only like 55, 45. It wasn't like they had loads of the ball, but. They had more of the ball um, and, and did nothing with it, nothing. Um, it was just a bizarre occasion because at times when I was watching, I felt really nervous. And it's probably just because of how important I thought that game was going to mm. be and how important I thought the result was. And I did the same thing I did against Wolves, the same thing I did against Forest, which is I got to halftime where we'd been the better side in the first mm. half. And I thought, we're going to regret those missed chances. And I need to stop doing that because <laughs> all we do is create more chances and score goals in the second yeah. half. And it's so nice to see because that's a, a problem we thought we had. It was finding that goal. It was yeah. it was breaking them down. It was breaking oppositions down, breaking much lesser oppositions down, by the way. It was breaking teams down in that kind of first half. And if we didn't do it, we were worried. Now the fact that we didn't quite score against my night in the first half was like, actually, I'm not that worried because... We'll find the goal eventually, and we did, absolutely did. I know it's a small thing, just being the highlights package, but do you think that's worth hammering home? Like, that's Sky. That's a corporation yeah. owned, operated, and interned exclusively by Man United fans from Sussex, <laughs> and they couldn't find a single shot worth putting into a three-minute highlight package. Yeah. That's how good we were. And, and the fact that a clean sheet for Newcastle, Newcastle are still comfortably the best defense in the league yeah. it's, it's not even it's not even close yeah. i think i think the next best team is is manchester city with 26 conceded newcastle have conceded only 19 that <laughs> was wow that was that was a, a dominant performance at the back in the middle in attack the goalkeeper was better he had a couple of mad moments but we'll allow him <laughs> a couple of mad moments because he's that good but newcastle find themselves third place in the premier league after 27 games, we have two games. Oh, sorry, we will have two games in hand on Spurs when they play against Evans tomorrow night. However, they go down. We are currently seven points clear of Brighton in sixth place, and we are a beautiful eight points clear of Liverpool, having played the same number of <laughs> Can games. Can we just quickly get the points to Chelsea while you're there, please? <laughs> I'll have to scroll down the league. Mate. <laughs> <laughs> Chelsea, 11th place. Chelsea, yeah, they're, they're, they're not on the conversation. We'll see you, Chelsea, on the last uh, game of the season when we probably already qualified for this Champions League but that's <laughs> that's to come we're going to break now for part uh, two of the show we'll be back after these very short ads uh, if you'd like to join us on Patreon it's £3 a month for this podcast without the ads and it's released a little bit earlier as well We're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with Indeed 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Part two of the show, part two of this discussion about this magnificent win against Manchester United for Newcastle today. I think we have to talk, Adam, uh, about Eric Ten Hag's comments. Charlotte already referenced the weird time-wasting stuff that was going on, which just seemed From to... early doors. It's like, you're supposed to keep the crowd quiet as the as the away team, not whip them up into a frenzy. Ten Hag, <laughs> Adam, has said uh, post-game that Newcastle played above themselves. What do you make of it? Yeah, Eric, 10 minutes there uh, with <laughs> the least gracious defeat I've seen in a while. I'm, I'm just going to temper this by saying this is a dude's second language and maybe we're sort of blowing this out of proportion. But now that's said, I'm just no, this I'm, man knows I, no, I'm going to go into him. I'm going to yeah. I'm going to go two footed in. <laughs> we are above them in the league now. Mm-hmm. Now we're not five games into the season. We're not 10 games into the season. We're not even 24 games into the season. We're like 26, 27 or something. Th- that is our level. This is where we play. This is the like the performances we put in. And yes, if you look at the draws we've had, we clearly haven't got over the finish line and we haven't had that killer instinct occasionally. But the actual performances for all those games where we feel like we lost two points we know we were really good and we should have won and we should have scored. That is our level. The only difference between today and some other home games is we found that first goal and we found that second goal. That's it. Like, you know, we're not even talking about the entertainers here where it's like, oh, some games we could turn up and get three or four goals because we knew we were risky at the bat. Like, again, you've just said, it's the best defense in the league and we shut them out. Like, we've shut out so many other teams. Like, this is our level. We didn't play above it. Don't get me wrong. Eric, uh, sorry, uh, Eddie Howe said in the post-match that he thought that was our best performance of the season. So if you want to, you know, break it down, then if it's our best performance and it probably is above some kind of level. But I think he means that in terms of it's so satisfying to see the effort we've put in, get that kind of result against that kind of team. And that's why it's the best, not because on any individual level that it was better than anything we've done before. So I think if anybody wants to say like it's above the level, I no, that's just, you've got to just realize now that's who we are as a team and that's the level we play at. I think Eric Ten Hag is a knob. And, and Eddie Howe have got short memories <laughs> because we've been playing at that level pretty much most of the season. Yeah. We've, we've had a bit of a wobble in, in January, February. No one would deny that. But, like, yeah, uh, the stats we were talking about before the game, Adam, I'm just going to read them out because. Oh, that's it, it. Oh, it, oh, that's yeah, like, shots on target. Six, Newcastle. One, Man United. You know, so, so, 
Um, De Gea has made like four or five mm. saves because he only scored twice. Uh, Nick Pope has made one, supposedly. I can't think of it. I can, I, I I can can't... remember that. It was like a dribbly little. Yeah. I think he just literally scooped it, 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 it up. It, it was wasn't ro- like a... rolled into his hands. It wasn't a diving you know, around save. Um, we have had more corners. We've had more block shots. We've more shots at target. We've had more um, throw-ins. They've committed a large, <laughs> large number of fouls. We have not. Like... This wasn't this wasn't a game where we have um, you know played above expectations. This was how Newcastle play normally. This wasn't a lucky game. This wasn't like a oh my god, Newcastle have come away with that with 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 like the, what what a lucky side. This was Newcastle basically getting what we deserved for weeks and weeks of performances where we didn't get that goal, like you say. So I don't really know what his point is, and I also <laughs> I, I also like anyhow almost shit housing by saying yeah like. But that's as best as we played. I don't think it is. Like, did you not see us against Villa? Did you not see us against Brentford? We smashed those people. Southampton away, we played shite and won. But we smashed Villa. We smashed Brentford at home. We we smashed Chelsea at home. We've played well in lots and lots of games, and this was just another. Yeah, I was just going to add to that. This this is our level. It's complete nonsense to say we've played above our level. We are not nineteenth in the league pulling out a fluke win against Manchester United. Mm, exactly. We're above them in the table. Get fucked. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a stat, and uh, I'm a late convert into kind of XG. But oh. according to the <laughs> XG philosophy, and I know there are different ways to calculate this metric, but Newcastle 4.04, Man wow. U 0.41. That is a hammering. That is bit. That is a bigger XG difference than when Man United lost 7-0. <laughs> I'm furious about this. I was on the radio today and for a laugh, I said we'd beat Man United 5-0. And the presenter laughed and the Man United fan laughed. Genuinely, if you round that up, you should always do. We should have beat them 5-0. We should have. The the, the the performance was complete. The, you know, I want to talk about Newcastle in the first half here for a second. Newcastle didn't come out as I expected them to. It wasn't, mm. it wasn't the Man City at home press kind of all in from the first moment. It was more controlled. Mm. It was it was in phases. Man United, like Sai says, enjoyed periods of possession. They kind of got in in behind a couple of times and, and it came to nothing. And in a half time it felt very much like a first uh, a first goal wins the game. That was bollocks though. Because Newcastle's second half performance was was so dominant that even if they'd conceded, I'd imagine that Newcastle still would have won the game. Mm. And, and what I really enjoyed about it, I'm keen for thoughts from from you guys is was this was this was this even better than say Arsenal last season or some of the games that Sai referenced there because it was a we're going to wait we're going to we're going to let this play out in second half we're going to turn the screw on this side and they're not going to be able to cope and you saw that Manchester United could not cope with what Newcastle were doing not just down the left side not just through the middle not just from the back not just in midfield they couldn't cope with us and it seemed to be the most mature performance yet Charlotte Mature is exactly the word I was about to use. There's, there was such maturity on the pitch today. There was such patience with each other. There are partnerships being built that that are just incredible to watch. I'm, I'm looking at Willock and Maxi in particular there. That was beautiful today. But the maturity piece and the, the, the space they gave each other and the trust, the trust, they all trust each other to pull this out of the bag, to, to get that goal and to hold on to a lead to keep them out, to to just, oh God, it was just lovely. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm running out of superlatives. And they're like, I think the other thing that, that, I, that I noticed today was this, you know, when you talk about maturity and you talk about kind of building on good performances, which I do believe today was, like if, you, if you're talking about Arsenal and things like that, that, 
this is this was a better all-round performance and and when you get to this really much higher level the differences are, are small they're small tweaks but you start to notice the knowing where everybody is going to be the little balls the 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 little passes to each other the 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 support i mean Cher got a, a studs to the face and went down for a bit and i don't know if you noticed but bruno dropped back for a while so he was almost playing like right in front of like right in front of Cher kind of giving him support in case he wasn't I don't know there was just something about these extra little things that felt like a leveling up to me today I think trust's a really important thing to touch on because there was a couple of times I don't know if this came across when you in the stadium but there was a couple of times where we would get in good positions but crosses in the goal came for initially the first one and we've got four or five players in the box now teams can do that just you can just tell your players you know when we're in that situation get in the box but that's almost suicidal against teams like Man United. These players are quite happy to make that run and to, to get into those positions because they know that behind them, they're not going to be leaving massive gaps. Like they trust the rest of them that if I make this run, I know I'm not, you know, I'm not abandoning my responsibility behind me. They know that the team is structured enough that if we don't win that, if we don't get the header, we don't get the goal or we just turn over possession, that it's not going to be catastrophic. Like Man United tried to break away against us several times and they never got in. The amount of times they had somebody who would break forward, and then all of a sudden it'd be Bruno, or it'd be you know it would be Murphy, or somebody who you would expect to be much further up the pitch had covered that space in, and you know even if they didn't win the ball back, certainly shut down the attack. And that is literally the only word for that is trust. Like they know that I can take that risk because my managers told me, my teammates have told me that it's not a risk; it's just part of the plan. I think it's really important to talk about Bruno in that respect because when we when we bought Bruno, everyone. No, no one knew a lot about him, but we were all told he was like a, a, a deep-lying def- midfielder who will break up the player and, and do that job. And then he came out of the scene and he scored a load of goals and he did like a backheel goal at Southampton. He's like, fucking, he's a class midfielder <laughs> who, who scores mint goals. And it's like, well, actually, that's not really his game. He just did that for his last season. This season, we're seeing the Bruno that we, we, we signed. Mm. He is absolute rock in that midfield. And when he's just allowed to do that job against, you know, billion-pound midfield there's Man United if you include Anthony an obscene amount of money spent on the Man United team and he made them look like school kids he literally like just dominated them from start to finish he was winning balls in his own box he was winning balls in their box he was breaking up play he was finding little, silly little passes he was taking the piss out of them at one point like there was a point when we were shooting towards the 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 leasers and he he I was getting really nervous in the in the Gallagher corner um about our playing out from the back and every time I was like just shut up Simon he, he's, <laughs> he he will piss around. He'll take the piss and he'll find a Newcastle player because that's how good he is. And yeah, I think we really not start, need to start appreciating Bruno for the midfielder he is, for the deep playing midfielder that he is. Without him contributing in a goal or an assist sense, he is still so, so crucial to how well we played today. There's a little bit of... I don't, I've not read or, or, or listened to the full quotes from Luke Shaw after the game, but Eric Ten Hag has agreed with them, saying that Newcastle's passion was important and that I think Luke, Luke Shaw said they wanted it more. And, and and I get people are kind of saying on social media, this is coming across as a bit snide from them, saying it was all effort, it was a bigger game for them than it was a bigger game for us. But it, it's, it's a consistent theme that Newcastle outwork opponents, and that's a remarkable thing to do in a game like this, particularly when you, you're playing against a team in Man United today who, who, who just didn't commit men ahead of the ball who were very safe, who wanted to protect their clean sheet and go from there, that they planned to change the game from the bench. But Simon, it didn't happen, did it? The team that changed the game from the bench was Newcastle United, and that is a huge step forward for us, is it not? 
Yeah, massively. Um, before the game, uh, when we saw the lineup at half three today, uh, I was a little bit like, oh, wow, so Joe Linton's not starting and M- Murphy's still in the team. And, you know, there's some, not questions, but it was like, fair enough, okay, Eddie's picked the team. We'll see how it goes. But that the one thing everybody could agree on pre-match, pre-match, by the way, uh, was that we had a very strong bench today. Mm. And that's the first time in Newcastle United, yeah. in my living memory, could say, that's a really strong bench. And if we need it, it will come into play. And it absolutely did. All four of the subs we made today massively impacted the game. Joe Linton came on at the right time. He was there. He was dominant. He was the same old Joe Linton that I thought would be starting the game, but understand why he didn't. I thought um, Anderson was really good. I thought that um, Wilson, oh, he, scores, he scores a very, very important, very good goal. And the other sub was... Gordon. Anthony Gordon, who was, who was excellent. Was and I can't believe I forgot him. <laughs> yeah, he came on. I was going to say, oh my God. And it's like, oh yeah, we've, we've got Anthony Gordon as well. It was, it was that kind of sub. It was like, Jesus Christ, we get better when these subs are made. And we have not got better as a as a virtue of substitutions for a long time. And we actually got better than that. I thought for the last 20 minutes of the game, we were the better side even more than we had been for the rest <laughs> of the game. And yeah, those subs absolutely at all... All made at the right time, all changed the game in their own way. But I thought all four of the substitutes deserve every bit of credit for the victory as the starting 11. I think on the wanting it more thing, like I know how that can get construed as sort of like a bit condescending or whatnot, or it's just passion, it's just effort, it's not actual ability. If you look at Liverpool this year, like their entire system, they do play very different to us, but their entire system was built around their ability to win balls back that would otherwise be go and spare. They would leave themselves very open, but they would make sure that they won those 50-50s and they won those challenges, which would cover up for the fact that they were playing really aggressively and really openly. It hasn't happened for them this year. They've tried to find a new identity because they don't win those balls and they are now way more open and they concede more goals. That's a game plan. Like to have that energy and that effort and that enthusiasm and that desire to go and win your 50-50s and to compete and to get those to get those challenges in. That is as much a strategy as, as it is to pass the ball around the back and wait wait for an opening. So I don't, I, I, don't, I don't think Luke Shaw would have come out and sort of try to talk us down for it. Like the guy... He's played for Man United for a long time. He knows what it's like to get beaten big games like this. I'm sure he's very gracious about the whole thing. But what we do and the way we compete and the energy we show, like there was a, there was a moment on, on TV. It was, just, it was showing a replay of one of the Man United chances. And they didn't get anything from it, but you could just see the angle can of the camera. Sorry to interrupt, but can you show a replay of something that doesn't exist? Yeah. <laughs> uh, in a way. <laughs> I'll work that out eventually. But anyway, so... The, ch- the chance didn't come, but they were showing the replay of it anyway. And you could just see the way the camera was framed. Bruno, who'd been on the pitch 70, 80 minutes at this point, was in the back of the shot. And you could see his teeth because of how hard he was running back to cover this space. It wasn't his job. wasn't his responsibility. wasn't his area. Like It's not up to him to go and cover that over. But he recognized that, well, someone's going to have to do that. And that's not just a Bruno thing. Like Every other player does that. And that is part of our identity as a club. Massively. It's... Like, like I said before, it's to, to get to get these lads to buy into what Howe and Tyndall and the rest of them want to do is is extraordinary. But it it, it seems to come from the backroom team, from the, like I said, the players who aren't in in the starting eleven. It comes from the boardroom, and then it comes from the stands as well. It it truly is a club completely united and also aware of what they're trying to do. Whereas I I don't know. How Man United play, and I've seen I've seen them live three times this season. <laughs> they, scored, they didn't score a goal against us. They haven't scored a goal against us in the league. Mm. Um, I don't really know what point. they're trying to do. I know what we're trying to do, and you know I, I kind of want to move us on a little bit and talk about some of the key moments. Mm. And the thing about the first goal for me is I don't know whether the lads planned this. 
probably not because it was such uh, a release of emotion in the moment. But I was, I'm in the corner and I was convinced Alexander Isak had scored <laughs> for the small reason that when Joe Willock puts the ball in the net, Isak and ASM run towards the corner together as a goal scorer <laughs> would. Will- Willock runs off and then the for some side, reason, the other go- side, but also all of the players just seem to go in separate directions. Work, so that- work in the crowd. <laughs> it's just, it's con- concert, concert mentality. You've got to work the whole crowd. When Willock goes down for his knee slide, he's almost alone because it's like the collective, <laughs> collective loss of heads. It was just like... Fucking hell, this is class. Listen to the <laughs> listen to the passion, Charlotte. It was crazy noise, wasn't it? Like from uh I I'm husky of voice this afternoon, evening, as we record, because of celebrating. I don't think I've been so loud when we've scored in ages. It meant so much to score today. And especially when it was Willock, I was so happy because he's been class the last few games. He was class today. And yeah, it, it's really funny that you say that we're the most united we've ever been and then a goal-scoring opportunity happens and we, we disbanded <laughs> across the pitch in all different directions. But yes, it was so loud. It was amazing to be part of that. First goal, then who wants to talk me through it? What 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 did we do right? How did it come about? I'll answer the question myself. <laughs> Alexander Isak. The, oh, the, the, oh. the, the game is Newcastle are the better team. Newcastle are ascendant, but the game is tight. Raphael, Raphael Varane has the ball. He thinks it's fine. He thinks it's absolutely fine. <laughs> you fool. Three seconds <laughs> later, Alexander Isak covers, he, he devours grass in front of him when he's moving <laughs> and puts um, Varane under real pressure. And, you know, I want to talk up Isak. I'm interested in players that you guys thought well as well, but I thought Isak today, he's just he's just really good at football. That's the best, <laughs> that's the best easiest thing I can say is he is good at football in a way that other players on that p- pitch today are not. Do you know what? That statement's got a laugh, but it's genuinely the most astute way to sum up Isak. Like every single thing he does, like it was, I think Bruno just punted it long blind about 50 yards and mm-hmm. he was being marked and he just, without even really looking at the ball, just put his foot yeah. about five mm. foot up in the air and just brought it down away from the defender. And I think he played St. Maxman in with it. Like that's not, that's not what we bought him for. We didn't buy him because he's got an exceptional touch. We bought him because he's got to be a goal threat. And he's got to do this. And he's got to do that. But And this this isn't me, Slayton Wilson. Callum Wilson's an unbelievable goal scorer. Probably even a more natural goal scorer than Isak at this stage of his career. But the one thing Wilson doesn't give you is that ability to just get into any other area of the pitch and improve what's going on there. Like, will you have to play well to get Callum Wilson mm. goals. You have to create something good. And he will reliably, better than most of the strikers in the league, do that for you. But the difference between someone like Callum Wilson and the kind of strikers you get at the very, very top levels of the game are that, okay, those chances aren't coming right now. I'm going to drop out wide. I'll drop out left. I'll drop out a little bit deeper. And what I'll do is I'll influence the play there Mm. to help us move up the pitch to get into better positions to create these chances. Wilson, that's not his game. That's no criticism. He just doesn't do that. I've never seen any Cassie United centre forward ever, by the way, who's as good and as natural at not being in the centre forward role as Isak. He was so often out wide. He was so often right in the middle of the pitch. And his ability to just bring the game forward yeah. is, yeah, I don't think I have either. Amazing. Um, if if someone had offered me 200 to 1 for Alan St. Maximan to assist the first goal with his <laughs> with head, a, with, with, a, with his head, <laughs> I would have said, no, thank you. I will save my money. Um, it's a great head but, of mine. Have but, you seen a book? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a brilliant, it's a brilliant assist. Ground. Um, it's it's a it's a great assist and it's Maxi being in the right area and I want I wanted to talk about Maxi a little bit as a part of this. Um, I thought Maxi was really good. I thought D- Diego Dallo 
um, got hooked at halftime in the cup final mm. a, a, a month ago because Maxi was having his life and he was really, really giving him a hard time. Today, Dallow had obviously been told, don't commit, don't don't jump in, don't commit really early, which makes a very different um, proposition for Maximan. He's not going to get past him. He's not going to beat him. He's not going to get the byline and cross the ball in. Maximan has to then think of what he can do with the defender still in front of him. And he was having to do that job and run towards him and, and carry the ball 20 yards, but then find a pass inside. And it was... It was a bit more uh, attritional. It was a bit more uh, of, a, of a difficult watch, and he he wasn't the kind of the standout player, and yet he was involved in all of the key moments for us today. And I thought Maximum was excellent, and that <laughs> the headed assist that nobody saw coming. You was, can't believe you're saying it, can you? I know. Yeah, it, it was perfect. And I, I honestly say, if someone had offered me two hundred to one, I would not even put a pound on it because I was like, no, Maximum will not <laughs> make, this, make a headed assist in this game. And it was the perfect header. It was a brilliant header across goal. And yeah, Willick's in the right place as well. But that goal, we've talked up, um, we've talked up Isaac's involvement in it. But Maximum busting a gut to get to the to into the six yard box and, and head that back across is just as important. And I thought Maxi's contribution to this game overall was, was was huge. Not to be a stats nerd, just a really quick point. And I know not all chances are as equal as other chances. Today was statistically Alan St. Maximan's most creative day for Newcastle United. Well, well, he created more chances today. And admittedly, most of them were get to the edge of the box, Dallow won't let you commit on the outside, so just roll it back for somebody. But mm-hmm. regardless, in terms of actual shots created by Alan St. Maximan, today was the most he's ever created in Newcastle United shirt. Yeah, well, I was going to sort of say... Um, that what Sai was saying about St. Max sort of making that uh, header over to Willock, that's to me typified. I'm really glad that happened as uh, it was his assist because that typifies this partnership, mm-hmm. which I've kind of touched on a little bit. Watching them play together today was, it, we've we've missed that service to St. Max. We've said for a few games, you know, what he's missing is he's missing that overlap. He's missing that service. Willock absolutely provides that. They know where each other are. Mm. They he knows where to get the ball to for him. I, I that and that works either way. And I just thought they were a joy to watch together today. And they really seem to enjoy playing together too. So I do, I do think that. I do think Dan Byrne struggles when St Maximan's in the team. I don't think they're on the same wavelength. And I think he does struggle to make those supportive runs for him. But I think that just. You saw Willick today was like, okay, yeah, that's, that's not thing, that's though. not going to happen. You'll try. He tries his best. He does try and keep up with him, and he does occasionally try and get on the outside of him, or just give him another option. But Dan Bird is is not Alan St. Maximan as a, as a style of footballer. Like they're not on the same wavelength at all. But I think you saw Willick op- occupying a much wider role today mm-hmm. than he normally does because again they trust each other. Like that just all keeps coming back to that. He knows that if he goes there, then someone's going to cover the space he's leaving, or you know, maybe Burn will be a bit more conservative, and it's just. It's so pleasing to be able to sit here and just say across the pitch for this entire team, you can see combinations and mm. you can see understanding and you can see cohesion because again, like we could probably point to partnerships or whatever across the history of the team, but it's always two or three players in a team for four or five years. It's never an 11. And then even wider than that, when you bring players on, like Trippier loves finding Wilson with a cross and mm. Wilson's not even starting. So that, you know, it goes even beyond the start and 11. It's just... If you were new to Newcastle United, you would not believe what we've had to sit through for most of our lives <laughs> watching this lot. I'm pleased you brought up uh, partnerships because a player who, again, if you if you if you were new to Newcastle United and you were to look at uh, wages or transfer fee or just ability, I'll say it. Having Sean Longstaff and Jacob Murphy is your right side. Mm-hmm. 
isn't going to put the fear into Manchester United. It's not going to be something the opposition look at and think we've got a problem here. But Jacob Murphy's uh, record this season, the only, I think it's, uh, including cup games, I think it's 10 wins or nine wins and one draw, but in the, in most of them have been in the league, the starts. Mm. You know, in the league, he started Fulham 4-1, Brentford 5-1, Everton 1-0, Southampton 4-1, Wolves 2-1, Forest 2-1, Man United 2-0. The only, it's not even a blemish, the only game we haven't won with Murphy in the side is that nil-nil draw at Manchester United, which we could have won. That in itself kind of backs up your point, Adam, that players can come in. So Murphy's kind of come into the side twice this season. Newcastle have started winning immediately when he's come in. Throw Sean Longstaff in there, throw Dan Byrne in there. The, the, these are extraordinary performances, in my opinion, from players who, who to, to give it to Eric Ten Hag for a change, he's right. These players <laughs> that we're talking about are playing <laughs> above their level. That's what good managers do, Eric. You should try it. Just the, the, thing, <laughs> the one point there that, that I don't think anybody seems to touch on is when Jacob Murphy comes into the side, he doesn't just come in for anybody. He comes in for a top scorer. Yeah. Like when Jacob Murphy starts, it's because uh, Almiron, who has scored more goals than any other Newcastle United player this year, isn't in the team. So the fact that we've, we're getting those results without you know that obvious like amazing route to goal that we've got that uh, that says so much about the performances he gives and but the thing is we've known this about how since he came in like you know we had that first transfer window and we didn't buy anybody who really set the world alight like Bruno was a great one but he didn't drop him straight in and we didn't as you say it wasn't somebody who everybody knows oh they've gone and got Bruno like that's mm. going to change everything he had to prove that it was Dan Byrne, which was sort of widely sort of sniffed at. Like, oh, they've gone and got like Brighton's third choice centre back, and they've got Chris Wood, who's not even really getting a game. Like, we didn't go and buy anybody who you thought, oh, that's going to change everything around. But then the players he brought in looked amazing, and all the players who'd really fallen off. I mean, do we have to get into the Joe Linton thing? All like, where was Joe Linton when Eddie Howe came in? Like these players, like your long staffs, your Murphys, who are still there, they now look light years ahead of where they looked under previous managers, and it's not because they've. You know, they've not like found a magic lamp and got a wish granted or anything like that. They've worked really hard and Howe's like found a good way to use them. And as a result, when they do have to come in, when they do play, when they do fill in for your quote unquote better players, they don't drop the level. Like they do their job. And again, as much as everything else, they are trusted by their teammates to do that. And and Kieran Trippier as well, I have to, I have to say, since that assist for Isak against Wolves, his his deliveries have been unbelievable. I mean that that delivery for Wilson today mm. was was sensational. There was the the Jolitton crossbar one where mm. I mean I still don't really understand what kind of corner it was. It was just like I'm going to kick the ball basically towards <laughs> the goal and, and we're going to score. Should have scored. He he's been unbelievable. And when we talk about consistency and and, and you know who who any Castles world class players, people uh, would say probably Botman. Bruno, Isak. We haven't even mentioned Botman today once, yeah. by the way. We haven't mentioned <laughs> Botman once. Had the day off, didn't he? Or so it would appear. Um, Kieran Trippier is just consistently superb for Newcastle United. In a way, I don't think I've really seen from a player before. Yeah, we've had greats of the club. You, you always got a performance on the But in terms of just like seven, eight, nine out of ten, is, is a minimum week after week. And, and against, regardless of the opposition, Kieran Trippier is up there for me. Is, 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 he's, he's very good. It's going to sound ridiculous, this. <laughs> Another man good at football. I think Kieran Trippier is the best player we've ever had in my lifetime. I don't mean that in terms of what he's achieved or what <laughs> he's done. Like Obviously, people will say Shearer and whatnot, but like the time he's been here, when you watch him live in the stadium, everything he does, just from his like his first control or his pass or when things are, in, things are difficult or his back's, you know, he's facing the wrong way, just any situation, he does way more than you think a footballer can do in that situation because... Yeah, like we've watched very average footballers for the vast majority of our football supporting lives. Like occasionally we get a great player in and we love them and they're, they're brilliant and they do great things. But 
by and large, the standard of players we've had in have been mid to below par. And you sort of like, you, you want them to do well and sometimes they have good games, sometimes they have bad games. You never see Trippier do something and you think that's not what an elite level footballer does. Like fans of other clubs get to see this all the time. Like every player they buy is at this level. I'm not saying Kieran Trippier is like one of the best players who's ever lived. Just the kind of, the level he performs at just as his normal level. Like not when he's playing well or not when he's having a good game, just the level he goes mm. onto the field with, regardless of circumstance, is so far beyond what I'm used to seeing as a football fan. Yeah, I I agree. I agree. I think uh, Trippier is up there with, with the best I've seen, pound for pound, for his position, for his role in the team. I think it does a slight disservice to the entire back four, or maybe back five, including Pope, um, because I thought all of them were incredible today. I thought... It was nice to see Cher and Botman back at full fitness mm-hmm. and, and, and really in control of the game. Botman's had a couple of wobbles in recent week. He's made some silly mistakes, but could happen to anybody. But he was solid today. Like Every time the ball came to him, yeah. he just looked dominant and he looked so comfortable. I mean, we look so comfortable, full stop. I want to talk a little bit about Dan Byrne, who's, who we've all questioned in, in recent weeks, probably for the last couple of months, about whether he should still be there. But once again, £80 million or whatever he costs Anthony, did he do anything? He looked like a fidget spinner. He, he did was nothing. Dreadful. <laughs> he, 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 Dan Byrne had him absolutely dominated all game. Trippy is obviously the, the 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 leader in amongst that pack, but uh, Cher back in as well. Cher taking his two head injuries very well, as he always does. <laughs> Nick Pope claiming very everything. Yeah. Like at no point in that game did I feel like we were going to concede. I really didn't, and that that it's 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 a little bit like superlative at this point. But we we weren't going to concede a game a goal in that game. As soon as the goal came, I wasn't worried. Um, I was really pleased that we got a second. It was nice to get a second, but at 1-0, I was comfortable that game as well. And that's because of how well that back four have just established themselves as the greatest defence that we've ever had and that the Premier League has got this season. Just on Dan Byrne for a second, I got into an argument at Wembley with uh, with a friend of mine because he was showing us this clip from the game that was basically Anthony just turning Dan Byrne inside out, like going one way, going the other. Byrne was slipping over, falling all over the place. And he was like, oh, you know, I do like Byrne, but we've got to improve at the left back. And I was like, look, watch that clip back. What does Anthony want to do? He's trying to get in behind Byrne and get into the space. I'm like, yeah, Byrne looks stupid here. He's falling all over the place. But does he do that? Does Anthony get in behind? In the end, the end of the move is he passes it 10 yards back towards his own defender. I'm like, yeah, he's not lightning, he's not quick, and he's not spectacular, but look at what the attackers tried to do in that situation and what Dan Byrne, by hook or by crook, has allowed him to do. And today, like, I thought Anthony had him on chips at points, but what did Anthony do? What's Nothing. The, what's Nothing. the clip you point at? What's the moment you show that, like, well, that's where he got past it? I think you've always won as a defender when halfway through a half your winger gets shifted to the other side. Well, you yeah. see his face as well when he got hooked. He was foaming because he knew he'd had a bag. He knew in his head, I'm playing this lump from Blythe. I'm this like Brazilian, 100 million pound. I should be absolutely ruining this. This man should be going to hospital with twisted blood at the end of this game. Genuinely news to me. I've just checked. I did not realise Sancho came on. I like 65 minutes. I had no <laughs> idea. News no as a idea. I don't think he does, to be honest. <laughs> He's collecting his appearance for you at the end of the week and querying it. There is so much more to talk about. That's why we're going to have a full Man- Manchester United victory review on our Patreon tomorrow night. Another long podcast coming, looking back at all the things that we've missed. Thanks so much to you three. It's a massive win. It's a massive day for Newcastle United. It's a massive part of this journey. Absolutely buzzing. What a start to a huge week for Newcastle United. We've got West Ham next. We'll have a free podcast after that. Come and join us on Patreon. Three to eight pounds a month. Would love to see you there. Thanks for listening. Thanks to you three. Bye-bye.
This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.